0: We're at the End of the Island, brought to you by Junior Rowing News and Felipe. Ready for rhythm. In two, in one. Rhythm, now! Hello everyone and welcome officially to the End of the Island, the spiritual home, I suppose, of the End of the Island podcast. Throughout Henley Royal Regatta 2023, we will be bringing you live episodes from the press box, which has the most magnificent view down the Henley course. I'm delighted to say that our Henley podcast will be sponsored, as our episodes have been all year, by the always wonderful people at Felipe, who are, of course, one of the most instantly recognisable rowing boat brands in the world. Since inception in 1988, they've carried crews to over 400 medals at World Championship and Olympic level, and have a network of dealers across the globe. They pride themselves on an ability to custom create shells of the highest specification suitable for Olympic champions and novice athletes. Today, the running of the Boatyard is undertaken by David Felipe. The yard employs 60 technicians and produces just over 1,100 boats each year, which supply federations worldwide. And you can head to philippeboats.com to learn about what they can do for you. Now, sit back, relax, we hope you've enjoyed your your PIMS, or in Steward's enclosure, you've enjoyed your time up the bank, and enjoy today's episode officially from the end of the island. Joined in the tea break on the Friday of Henley Royal Regatta with Xander Smulders, the head coach at Thames Rowing Club. And Xander, you must be delighted so far with some of the performances of the Thames crews across the regatta so far. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been going really well. Um, obviously, this
1: today is, is really the, the first like real big day for us to to see where we stand. Like, uh, yeah, we had our you know our semi final today. and that was a really big one, then we've got Brit semi-final today, and uh, yeah, we got a bit close in the
0: Thames Cup and, uh,
1: and, and the Wargrave to the semi-finals to really see how we stack up. Uh-huh. So. And
0: the Wargrave in particular, you've got all four crews on one side of the draw, and we've got two races coming up where it's going to be Thames against Thames and, yeah. and Thames against Thames. I suppose in one sense that's that's got to fill you with a lot of pride to have that, but a tinge of frustration as well, just that the draw is locked out in a way that you're not going to have an all-Thames final potentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true, but that's, that's obviously how uh, how the draw works. You just have to, you know, if you get that many crews in, there's obviously a possibility that you might race each other and you know, it turned out that this was actually going to happen. Didn't, obviously, we didn't uh, expect it to happen in this uh, capacity, but, uh, you yeah, know, it, it's a uh, rather probably have a couple of
0: crews on the other side of the draw, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and Henley and Thames Rowing Club in recent years, there's just there's been so much success for the club that you and your coaching staff have been able to build a phenomenal program over recent years but i suppose it's worth noting it's not always been like that and like when thames won thames cup a few years back it was the first time in, in ages for the club what was that what was that moment like for you guys as a coaching team and as a as a club to win the Thames Cup for the first time in in so long?
1: So I I wasn't here in 2015, so I was still uh, back home in uh, the Netherlands coaching at NERAS at the time. And um, so I think I didn't even clock it at Thames 1 in (laughs) 18 years. So for me that was like, I was just watching I was mostly watching at win the Temple, uh, to be honest. (laughs) And the year after I was watching um, not lose the temple, or lose the plate by, you know, disqualification unfortunately so um, but then by then later on I, w- I got the job so I got me more interested yeah. and I realized like oh in 15 I won the Thames Cup and it's been you know, like 80 years since I won the Thames Cup and I won the Vistas with that famous race with Cal uh, which was actually one of my friends was in the Cal boat so I felt a bit sorry for him at the time. Was that, was that Nicky? That was Nicky Fransprung, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, did, I know Marta but he's not a friend like Nicky is uh, and uh, and yeah, they got a bit more interested in them. So I, I sort of like walked into a program that was starting to get some success, mm-hmm. uh, and I was starting as men's coach under Ben. So I, I we sort of like continued on the same trajectory that he set up, mm-hmm. um, and then just started building from there really. Because the club squad that I I got in sixteen, beginning of end of sixteen into seventeen, a lot of potential, but does not really didn't really you know how to attack a race and hold the race, so that, that season was actually quite defining mm. for the first really big step with you know Brit and Wifel in the semi and we had a 10 step final and that really set us up for 18 and 19 was a little bit of a dip, but after the pandemic uh, I think we really picked
0: up a lot of pace. Yeah, And with all that success, do you find that the success itself is enough to attract athletes to come and, and row at, at Thames or how much I suppose, recruiting do you have to, to do as a, as a staff?
1: Um, don't, we have a, I think the success does on most of it, we do get a lot of people filling out our recruitment form, but I do uh, um, I re- reach out certain programs and I reach out to certain athletes, if, um, if I hear they're interested, I'll try to get their contact details and just say like, hey, are you available for a chat? And just tell them, this is what we do, are you interested, would that work for you? Mm-hmm. Um, may- maybe maybe I or we don't do it as much maybe as other programs uh, because we are because we're so successful it sort of like takes care of itself. Um, I think it's definitely something we're looking at to maybe improve. But
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's so far it's so good. So yeah. And you've, the events you touched on so far is the, yeah. the sweep event, but you've got a, a Prince of Wales chord yeah. in this year. Unfortunately, the, the B chord just missed out. That yeah, yeah but that seems to be the first time in a while that Thames are going after some of the big sculling events and, and focusing on, on yeah. the sculling. What was the, the thought behind that?
1: Um, so last year we did a Vistas. Um, so we had a group of about six guys or eight guys, and we found we could make a really good Vistas for, and then we found some other guys to make a plate eight. They qualified but then drew Cal the first day, so that didn't, that didn't help. But then they had a, they had a fun week. Um, so, with the Vistas 4, we did quite well mid semi final, which is basically what we we're trying to do every year just make a semi final every year, an in intermediate event. Um, but I did notice in intermediate events, if you just look at the, all the years of, of sweep, they, 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 possibility for coming up to an Andre 3-4, a Leander 4, a, Bis- a Brooks 4, anything from the US, it's, it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's very, you can't really compete those those. The thing that those um, I- um, programs don't do is skull. And obviously, me as a Dutchman, and, you know, all the history of sculling, and at the time obviously Olympic champion uh, in the quad. Uh, I was like, you know, why do you get sculling a crack? It, uh, I think it's just... A bit easier mm-hmm. to make an intermediate to semi-final as we done this year. Actually, funny enough, Prince of Wales this year is quite stacked. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, we're going down that route. But it's, it also, I think, it also just develops the skill level of those guys. A new challenge, and uh, we can always, you know, convert the part of the group back to sweep if we want to, because the sculling sets us up really well and. Uh, we just have to decide when we go back to sweep. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good step up and also gives a lot of club guys an opportunity that I see like, hey, we can there's another step to go to. We can't just we can't just like win and then retire. Or oh, we can after that we can pick up a new challenge as colouring. If they want to obviously. They give up so much of their life to run. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, I suppose by by that stage of it they've done it at school, they've done it at university a lot of them. Yeah. And then they're doing it with their full time job. So it's I suppose it's quite nice for you. You're working with athletes who genuinely want to be the at at the book yeah. in Putney training hide, which has gotta be a pretty nice feeling.
1: Yeah. No, it's 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 quite uh I would say they're quite inspirational. I've never been part of a program like this that you know being part of a junior program back home and uh, and near us, which obviously is just students, it's all yeah. a bit more relaxed and you got a bit more time. You can just mess out before session or mess about after here. It's like no 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 we need to be on the water here, we need to be off the water there and I wanna get all my my, I need to run on the program. Like, I want, We need to do the mileage. Like, so guys, get on with it. And then, you know, run the session really efficiently. And then, get off the water. Everybody goes to work. At the end of the day, uh, sometimes you do it again. Or, you know, so it's 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 quite um, full on. So it's, it's exceptional
0: how they do it, how they manage their sleep, their food, relationships, all 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 kinds of stuff. So what's that been like building a club program compared to building a student program back in uh, at Neros, for example?
1: Um, is you just have to think about every minute you can spend uh, on training. You need to think about okay, how are you gonna, how are you gonna use it, how are you gonna utilize it, and uh, and you also need to think about, also need to think about like, how you, like with their job, like how hard can you push them a week, when do you need to back off. It's like you need to really think about your program throughout the year. Um, but we can't, we we can't. I can't expect my athletes when we have a race to be good every time. So we are very specific. We beat then, we beat them, and that's it. And all the racing between, we're like, well, you're gonna be tired of the run race because you just had work to work nine to five yesterday. And then the second day if we're out there like a match, they'll be like, pretty knackered. And then there's nothing left. But, but they need to they need to raise experience as well. Uh-huh. So it's uh it's just making choices, making the right choices. We can't just like Brooks does it really well, they're just more rested throughout the year, so they have a higher level and they, will, they their program is absolutely phenomenal at the moment. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're trying to take our lessons from, from what they do and they and um, yeah we just I think we just make choices when do we wanna perform. And when are we just like
0: okay, we're going to use this as training? Yeah. What sort of lessons then are you taking or looking to take from Brooks or other programs who have had huge amounts of success?
1: Um, anything really. Obviously, we don't know the absolute ins and outs of the program, but you can see their rolling style, and obviously, you hear some stuff about their telem. How they do stuff. We we use telem quite a bit. Yeah. So you, you look at their rolling style. You look you look how did, how did they actually roll. Why doesn't why is it so efficient? Um, So, yeah, you you speak to some of the guys, you know, like, I know Chris Dev a little bit, I know Henry a little bit, I know, you know, Ben Lewis is obviously a big books guy, so you speak to him, you just, like, you hear stuff, you're like, oh, actually, we can use that, that would be good for us. Um, So, it's just bits and bobs. Also, all the clubs, like, you look at, you know, maybe how Leander does things, or even London does things. You shouldn't just look at the big programs. I think you should always keep your eye out on everyone. If someone does something really well, suddenly you're like, hey, what are
0: you doing? That's interesting. Yeah. You know? yeah. So are you big into, big into the telemetry then? Is that something you'll try and get on as many, many boards as you can? Um, yeah, we added on. We added on
1: to the squad. So we have uh, two sets on the men's side, two sets on the women's side for club squads, and we have one sculling set for the intermediate squad at the moment. Um, but the intermediate squad is still quite new. We're still trying to figure out what actually is a good set of data what does it yeah. mean so we still but well, I think it's an add-on it's not like the be on and all I think the be beyond and those always your growing style make sure that everybody moves together so you could just switch people in and out and it will always work because in regards to like this like if you get an injury you should just like okay this guy's out or girl mm-hmm. and then okay the next one moves up yeah. and it shouldn't matter that their style difference there shouldn't be a style difference and at the moment that's not the case so.
0: and, You mentioned earlier just about the the culture and the atmosphere that's at Thames and how it's different to two other clubs. What is it? What is it about Thames that's 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 so enjoyable to 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 be there and coach there on a regular basis?
1: Um, Well, I I think what you tapped on earlier is uh, people want to be there. Yeah. Um, Obviously, with all the you know, we put them through a lot of stress with training and hard training and selection. But they want to be there. They want to perform. They want to get the best out of themselves and. uh, and, and also give them, you know, give all the athletes the feel of like, look, we're trying to best get the best out of you and for you that could be qualifying, for you that could be learning how to skull. score. Um, some people it's making weekend or winning, you know, so see if you can get the best out of them and then they feel that they're, you know, they're, they're all the time they put in, they feel like, yeah, oh, it's actually worth it. Um, managing all their you know, they sometimes they get stressed from work here and then also make sure you can listen to like hey, I see you had a busy day, let's just have a chat about your day before you actually get in the boat. Yeah. And then sometimes teaching them like hey don't be afraid to step into the office like can I have a chat quickly. Had a shit day at work. Um that's sort of like the roles we have and that's, that's really enjoyable I, I also like I don't want to just make them a good horseman or horsewoman I want to make good people uh-huh. like really give them something that when they retire from the club they say like oh Thames is really my club because I just you know I made so many friends and I learned so much about being in a team and being part of something bigger and learned
0: so much about myself yeah and do you find when when people have seen Henley wins the Henley women's wins they sort of the Going on and competing at trials, that people will will turn up almost expecting success when they arrive at times. Um,
1: I don't know expect, I don't know expect, so I think maybe some people, it's maybe a good question for the athletes, really, because it's so hard because it takes a while to get to know, especially the, the new ones, um, obviously. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I think we sometimes coaches talk about it like maybe maybe they some we said like oh some people think maybe they put the tensile on one on so of not gonna happen. But like I think without without we I think at some point we do tell them after a couple of months like hey, just because you're here doesn't mean it's gonna go by itself. Yeah. You need to do every minute of every training. But I think most of the athletes that come here they see the program and they see how we test and are like by now I understand. By now I understand why these guys are so fit because they do so many hours on the on the bike or on the erg or in the gym and on the water and they get the, you know feedback on telemetry and feedback on the video and and you know there's a, there's a bit more pressure here. So I think they realize pretty quickly why is why it's a, a different program than other programs. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it may, maybe they bring that expectation, but I think that pretty quickly turns around. And if it doesn't turn around, they're, they're not going to last anymore. <laughs> so, or or, they, or they, they just come in like, hey, I came in with this expectation. It's not working out. What am I doing wrong? There's normally the best questions to get. Like, hey, I want to move up. What do I need to do? Because they come in like, I was used to sitting in the first eight, and now I'm in the fourth like the fourth eight, and they don't want to
0: be there. To do And then it's like, okay, we'll do this and this and this first, and then from yeah. there on step yeah. right. one. Yeah. And and how have you found that coming over from the Netherlands to the UK? I imagine it's two two big rowing cultures, about mm. two two very different cultures when it comes to their rowing. So what what have you noticed is? How's um, it different?
1: Dutch between? are all about efficiency. Uh, they love that it looks nice yeah. and easy, oh, yeah. and uh, a lot of focus on being relaxed. So uh, there's not a big emphasis. It's probably changed a little bit. It's been, it's been almost seven years now. It's yeah. um, less emphasis on just working hard the whole time. So a lot more of like really feel the boat, which is, you know, Dutch people are like, Oh, you just need to feel the boat. It's like, we'll try that on the highway when your foot plane is dancing all over the place. Yeah. But we do try to bring it in like a lot more real technical stuff. Like, feet out and go light pedal and even control the boat with light pedal and just feel the boat and really try to like how much speed can you get out of the behal yeah. by not adding watts on actually doing less or keeping the watts the same and finding more speed so that, that's, that's the main difference uh, Dutch people are actually sometimes a bit effectively lazy maybe is a good way to put it and British are sometimes ineffectively hard and active like in, in, here in the UK I noticed the athletes just think like, oh, I need to just need to be tough first and hard, and and I'm like, yeah, that's all good and well, but the athlete's doing half the work and he's leading, so maybe you should learn something of him. And sometimes our athletes are like, yeah, but you know, I don't try hard and I go faster. It's so, like, can you imagine if you also try hard? So that's that's sort of like. A, in my first year, actually, that was in the first year. I really noticed the difference because I was came in as a Dutchman and I was coaching together with Ben Lewis, who was uh, obviously everybody knows, you know, Brooks and Leander, and picked up all the traits from there and, and what he picked up at Teddy's when he was young, and um, and then we we'll also coached together with Nick Musnelli who was a Kiwi, yeah. and then you get all the Kiwi stories. And I heard a couple of Kiwi stories. Now I got all the Kiwi stories. Like, what wow, these people are just into Mad? They're absolutely mental. But I also picked up a couple of things like actually something that I've never learned that could be good Mm. so for me at the moment I'm with a bit more of a mix between Dutch
0: British and Kiwi I would say so. (laughs) yeah and do you find the the Tideway is a real asset to your training or do you find it a real hindrance at times Uh,
1: sometimes an asset sometimes a hindrance (laughs) uh, (laughs) sometimes a real hindrance Um, sometimes just almost unrollable. Rowers get no feel out of it, um, so we, we, we are not afraid to say, okay, this is yeah. not going to work out on the ERG. Yeah. In the winter, we yeah. were very easy on skipping sessions on the water, okay, on the ERG, the ERG the is stable, and then you get good training um, in. Depends a bit, obviously, like, depends obviously on the crew, with the quad this year, after camp, we basically didn't ERG at all, just water, 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 because nice. these guys just need to learn how to skull. so it's a bit different for them. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge. You can't just say, oh, this is a program where you can just do everything. Yeah. You look at the program. Okay, well, it's a high tide week, so we might have to skip that day. That's going to be an erg. I will row a bit more next week when it's low tide. But then in June, everybody goes rowing anyway. So then it's also not good water. So June is always a struggle. <laughs> the rest of the years, actually, <laughs> it's doable, but it's always yeah, it's it's, it's it's challenging and and but sometimes it's good. And I think it does help here and on the hilly especially today, it's quite windy, it's quite roly. Our yeah. cruise are like, "What's big deal?" Uh, the Dutch crews here are like, "It's so roly, it's unbearable." <laughs> <laughs> um, so for us, it's actually fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the weather today is pretty crap today. stonking yeah. headwind, but a couple of the questions we like to ask everyone who comes on on the podcast and what, first one of which is, as your time, as a rower or as, as a coach, where have been probably the best place that you've gone and either raced at or trained at over your time in, involved with the sport? Oh, for me the best place I've ever rode in? Yeah. Uh, Lucerne. Lucerne. Yeah, I would say Lucerne. Uh, the,
1: Lucerne mostly, and then obviously the Bosman It's high up the list. So yeah. absolutely insane. <laughs> <the> <time. laughs> and you got that Southwest wind, and it's June, late June, July. The speed coach just lights up. Like wow, this is—I've never seen this. <laughs> it's also a killer when you go to other lakes. and It's like wow, mines are slow suddenly. <laughs> it's just—it's yeah. so fast. And Lucerne is just beautiful, with you know the boating area down just after one k. Uh, I've been lucky enough to row there a couple of times. Uh, a couple of there's a student, there's a junior event there uh, for city aids that I done uh, a long time ago. And I rode there um, a couple of World Cups. Which is which is quite epic. So uh, those are my two favourites. Yeah, cool. nice one. And um, I, I mean, I obviously love Henley, but not today. If you talk about less water and
0: <laughs> those two are the yeah, <laughs> the we love Henley, but yeah, not today. the at yeah, yeah, not yeah. good. Yeah. And just finally, then, has there been a race that whilst you've been involved with rowing, a race that stood with you that you thought, do you know what? That that's a really special race that's going to stick with yeah, me forever. The race I was in, uh, yeah, either in or coached or or anything. Uh,
1: well, actually, my final race at Henley was pretty really fun, because it was... Um, I actually told this story today. Uh, I was the Vista semi-final in '06, and I raced uh, Reading and Leander. I was really tired, because I didn't train enough in the winter. Classic Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> and we wrote to the start, but the World Championship Football was on, and England was playing Portugal. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I saw the screen, and I saw you know, Pauli Cristiano Ronaldo on the screen, and every, and everybody was looking at it. I said, no, we were looking at the rowing. I just saw people's backs, and I was like, I'm about to do my race, and I feel like I'm rowing through a football stadium. That was that was one of the big memories, of like growing up to the start. Wow, this is, this is ridiculous, but it's so cool to be part of. Uh, yeah, and otherwise it's just these races when you're, a race I've done myself when you're, and you, know, you just feel middle of a race invincible. And you just go and there's just you're just you're just absolutely fearless and you almost don't care. You end up you just get like I'm so in the moment now, you know. So at the moment as a phrase and I so believe in my own ability and I'm just going to go and just going to go. Yeah. And then uh, sometimes you pay the price for that. I've been, I've been on that side, I've also been on the side that you actually, you know, you get the reward. Um, um, so yeah, those those are the cool, cool memories.
0: Yeah. We hope you enjoyed that episode of The End of the Island from The End of the Island as part of our Henley Royal Regatta coverage. All of our Henley coverage is available on the Junior Rowing News website. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, Apple and all good podcast platforms. Well, wherever you're listening to this one, quite frankly. And we've got huge amounts of social media action across Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You name it, we are probably on it. As I said, thank you very much for listening to this episode of The End of the Island. A reminder, we are sponsored by Felipe, who are of course one of the most instantly recognizable rowing boat brands in the world. Since inception in 1980, they've carried crews to over 400 medals at World Championship and Olympic level, and they have a network of dealers across the globe. They pride themselves on an ability to custom create shells of the highest specification suitable for Olympic champions and novice athletes. Today, the running of the Boat Yard is undertaken by David Felipe. The yard employs 60 technicians and they produce just over 1,100 boats each year, supplying federations worldwide. You can head to FelipeBoats.com to learn about what they can do for you. But for now, that's brought an end to today's episode and we'll see you next time at the end of the island. <laughs>